Good morning, church. It is great to see you all here. Can we thank this amazing group of people who just led us in worship this morning? It is good to be in church this morning. I hope you feel that way too. This morning we are going to be diving into the story of Matthew, Matthew chapter 9, verse 9, if you want to open your Bibles to that passage. My name is Drew Feltz, by the way. I'm the college pastor here at First Baptist. I'm new in town. Uh, I've only been here for a few months, and we can already say, me and my family, I'm I'm married, I have a wonderful wife named Angela, and a beautiful little girl who's 13 months, who's super sassy, whose name's Addison, and we love Statesboro, guys. It, It feels like home already. It is just really, really good to be here this morning. It's really good to be here. Um, And yeah, so I'm the college pastor here. If you happen to be a college student, I would love to meet you. If if you happen to be a church member, I've not met you. I've met a lot of people, and with masks and everything else, I'm looking forward to getting to know more and more people in this wonderful, wonderful body of believers. This morning, our text is Matthew 9, chapter 9, verse 9, and this this is what it says. It says this, as Jesus passed on from there, he saw a man called Matthew sitting at the tax booth. And he said to him, follow me. And he rose and followed him. Before we dive into this scripture this morning, I have a question to kind of start us off with, and it's it's quite simply just this. Have you ever been in a situation, big or small, in life where you had to ask the question, is something worth it? Maybe you look at something, a purchase of a car or, um, you know, a house. Maybe you're trying to decide where you're going to college or what is next for you in whatever season of life you're in. And you have to ask this question, is this going to be worth it? I don't know about you, but for me personally, an area that this question comes up a lot is with food. Does anyone else in here love food besides me? Hanging out with a lot of college students like I do, um, they've rubbed off on me. And two of my favorite things is coffee. I really love good coffee. Uh, and tacos. Anyone else here a taco fan besides me? I, I love tacos. Uh, my poor wife had no clue that when we got married that she was going to be cooking so many different kinds of tacos in our life. She jokes and says that she didn't cook much Mexican food at all before we got married, and then she got, we got married, and now that's primarily what we eat. Um, and I, I just love tacos. For instance, me and David, who was just playing up here, just ate at Del Sur last night, and that is maybe my favorite restaurant so far in Statesboro. There's some amazing places, and if you have tips, please email me, let me know. Call me, catch me afterwards, because I, I love some good food. Uh, but I, I just love tacos, and Del Sur has all these amazing tacos, but I'm also not a taco elitist either. Uh, I don't think that, you know, a fancy taco is necessarily the only way to love a taco. For instance, I love Taco Bell. Uh, that may be my vice still, uh, is that even though I am not in college anymore, I would eat Taco Bell all the time if I could. And just the tacos too, just meat, cheese, lettuce, oh man, that's great stuff. I know it's maybe a little bit sketchy meat, but, but it's, it's really good. <laughs> One day, uh, I had this question of, is it going to be worth it, pop into my mind when I was in line at Taco Bell. I looked up, and I was very hungry, and I saw that they had this thing called a Taco 12-pack. Now, that's a dozen tacos, soft or hard shell. And my mind said, yes, yes, that's what you need. And I really had to ask myself this question. I'd like to tell you this was in college, but it was not in college. This was after college. So um, I had to ask myself, is this going to be worth it? And it was a resounding yes within my heart. This is going to be worth it. So I bought a taco 12-pack, and I devoured all 12 tacos. Now, I'm not proud of this fact. 
I'm just going to be quite honest with you guys, but it was delicious. And at the time I was like, this is the best decision I've made in a long time. 12 tacos, the best thing, until a few hours later. A few hours later, it became abundantly clear within the wisdom of time that it was not worth it whatsoever. I was sluggish, I felt sick, and uh, ever since then I've not eaten 12 tacos. I still eat Taco Bell, but I've never eaten 12 tacos by myself. The truth is this morning, church, that we all have to ask this question, is something going to be worth it, big or small, deciding what you're about to eat or house you're about to buy, a job you may want to take or turn down, who you may want to ask to marry you, who, uh, and, you know, a million other things. What, what you're going to, if you're a college student, for instance, maybe what you're going to choose to be your major, what you're wanting to be, do with your life. We have this question pop up all the time, and it's really a it really highlights a tension that all of us feel. And it's this tension between risk and security. We feel this a lot of times. We're faced with this tension between risk and security, and, and we have to ask ourselves, if I risk this, if I make a decision, because the safest thing to do, by the way, I don't know if you know this, is just do nothing. That doesn't really lead to life being very exciting, though. If I risk this, is it going to be worth it? And we could probably spend all day talking to each other about times that things have been worth the risk and times when it has not. And here's the interesting thing about this tension as well, is that even when we know the right answer, that doesn't necessarily make it easy. Uh, to use another food analogy, you ever been to a fast food restaurant or somewhere and you know that the right decision is to get the salad. But man, that burger looks amazing. I know, uh, I think back to this very specific story in December 31st of 2013. I was in a small apartment in Thomasville, Georgia, surrounded by some of my closest friends, looking at a little box with a diamond ring in it, about to ask Angela Joy Feltz, well, Angela Joy Moxley at that time, to marry me. Spoiler alert, she said yes, um, we've been married, and it's been wonderful, and it's been totally worth it, but even though I knew that that was the right call, even though I was like 99.99999% she was going to say yes, I still had this tension. It was this risk of putting myself out there, of trusting that this is going to be worth it. It was worth it, by the way, guys. But even when we know the right answer of what God would want us to do, of what our family may expect, of what the right decision is, that doesn't necessarily make it any easier. And I bring all this up about tacos and me proposing to my wife to make this point. This question pops up a lot of times in our hearts when we talk about Jesus. A lot of times, we ask ourselves when it comes to Jesus and this church thing and what he's offering, the simple question of, is this going to be worth it? Maybe you've never said it out loud, and you would never say it out loud in church after all because God can hear you better in this building. But the truth is, is that, and that's not true, by the way, that God can't hear you better in this building, but, but here's the deal. We have to admit that sometimes we have this tension in us about what God's calling us to do and about what we want to do. And asking ourselves, well, if I, if I do this, is it going to be worth it? Maybe for you this morning, it comes down to uh, your habits a little bit. Because if you become a, a Christian, if you become a follower of Jesus, if you really buy into what Jesus is doing and follow him, all of a sudden, Jesus has a lot of things to say about what you do. He has a lot to say about what you watch on TV, what you look at online, how you spend your money, what you do and do not do with your body. The list could go on. And you just feel that even though maybe you would admit out loud that God is God after all because he knows everything, 
that part of us is like, but is it really going to be worth it to give up blank? And it could be a billion different things for all of us in here of what we're having to give up to really follow Jesus. Or maybe you're not in that camp, but the other camp you find yourself in in this tension this morning is asking yourself, is this going to be worth it? Because if I follow Jesus, all of a sudden, he may send me somewhere very uncomfortable. He may make me a pastor, a missionary, send me to some dark, hard place in the world. Maybe he would call me to stop hanging out with this crowd of people, maybe letting go of this hobby or activities in my life and calling me somewhere else. And it makes you think, is it worth it? Before we dive into Matthew's story, because it illustrates this point so well, I do want to admit and just say out loud now that it is okay to ask these questions, that God is not scared off by us asking these questions. We should count the cost of what it is going to cost us to follow Jesus. Some of Jesus' closest friends and disciples had to ask this question themselves. They had to decide, it was it going to be worth following Jesus? And Matthew is one of these people. Matthew, as you guys can see in this text and throughout the Bible, is always referred to almost every time as Matthew the tax collector. The truth is, is that Matthew, from an outsider looking in, had a, all of his life together, it seemed like. He was pretty rich, had a business that was going really well, was known in the community. The truth is, is though, that Matthew was living in these two different worlds. He was a Jew who was te- collecting taxes for the Roman Empire. Imagine if, if someone invaded America and then one of your buddies went to work for the invading country collecting taxes. You would probably think they're a bit of a traitor. A lot of people at the time thought tax collectors were exactly that, especially ones that were Jews already that were now collecting tax on the behalf of Rome. Pharisees and religious leaders despised them and said that they were sinners. Matthew, though, obviously was making a pretty good amount of money from this. I mean, there was obviously a reason he was doing this, right? Like, some of you may be thinking, well, I would never do something like that, become a traitor to that and everything else, but tax collecting was pretty nice. For instance, maybe Rome only needs 15% of whatever you're collecting. If you want to add another 15% on top of that for yourself, they don't care. That kind of practice happened a lot during these times with these tax collectors for Rome. On top of that, you had protection by Rome itself. The most powerful country, empire in the world at that time was protecting you. There were great benefits to doing life and being a tax collector. And Matthew had his life set up around this booth. You can imagine he's at this tax booth on the edge of a road or the sea, most likely a sea in this context, collecting taxes as people come by, as they're shipping things. And all of a sudden, as Matthew is in the middle of this duality of good and bad, of, of, of this and that, Jesus shows up. And then one day, Jesus met Matthew. Matthew met Jesus, and everything changed. I wonder this morning, how many of us is that our testimonies? That we have been walking in our ways, us who are faithfully following Jesus, who were walking in our own ways, doing life in what we define to be right, and then Jesus shows up one day, and everything gets turned upside down. Matthew 9.9 again says this, as Jesus passed on from there, he saw a man called Matthew sitting at the tax booth. And he said to him, follow me. And he rose and followed him. 
Now, in case you zoned out or you missed what we just read, Matthew just got up and left. Kicked the chair back, flips the open sign from open to close, and just leaves. Luke actually accounts this in Luke chapter 5, verse 28, and says that he had to hold another line to it. It says, and leaving everything, he rose and followed him, followed Jesus. And here's the crazy thing, is that everything that Matthew had for his job and security and identity and the way that he was doing life was on this table, in this booth. It was all right there. And he just got up and left it. Sure, I, I, I admit Matthew probably knew who Jesus was. He'd probably heard about him being a great teacher, a rabbi, how he'd been performing miracles and bringing hope to those who are so broken. But still, to get up and walk away from his life, it's a bit unimaginable. It's hard to wrap your head around, church. See, following Jesus, church, will cost you something. And Jesus is calling us to being willing to leave our own tables. I don't know what that table looks like for you today. But we are called to leave our tables. Jesus calls us to follow him anyways. Also, I want to make an important note that Matthew, as you see here, is not given a guarantee that this is going to work out great. It's not, hey, follow me and your life will be amazing. Follow me and everything will work out just fine. Jesus simply says, follow me. There's another important point for you to understand this morning, church, is quite simply this, that following Jesus means that we are trusting him. Because he doesn't give us a guarantee of what tomorrow is going to look like, where we may be going, or what he may be calling us to do. He just says, follow me. And we have to decide, is it worth it? Is it worth to trust Jesus? And Matthew had no clue that this was going to work out in his favor. No clue if this was just going to look back and be like, this is the worst mistake I've ever made in my entire life. See, in this moment, Matthew trusted that what Jesus was offering him was far, far greater than anything that Matthew had in that tax booth and on his table. Everything that he had defined as having worth and value and identity that made life comfortable and easy for him was on that table, and he trusted that Jesus had more, greater things to offer than what was on that table. And if Matthew was here today, I, I think he would say that it was worth it. That, that that first step really made all the difference. That, that stepping into the unknown and following Jesus when he calls us into something that maybe makes no sense at all, being obedient and trusting that he is who he says he is, makes all the difference. And why would I say that? Simply this. Acts chapter 1, verse 13, has an accounting of, of apostles. To paint the picture of what's going on in this verse, Jesus has been cruci arrested, crucified, buried, he, three days in the tomb, raises up again. He ascends into heaven. And after all of that, the disciples, the apostles, all are going back to Jerusalem to come together and start 
working on the Great Commission, the thing that we are here for today, to take the gospel to the world. And this is what it says. And, they were, and when they had entered, they went up to the upper room where they were staying. Peter and John and James and Andrew and Philip and Thomas, Bartholomew and Matthew, James the son of Ephesus and Simon the Zealot, and Judas the son of James. Did you catch that church in the middle of the name of the leaders and the people who stuck around and were trusting Jesus, Matthew's names right there in the middle? See, here's something we need to understand that once Jesus was arrested and taken and dead for all they knew, everyone could have just went back to their normal lives. They would have said, this has been a huge mistake, this whole Jesus thing, trusting him. I'm just going to go back to work my old life, my own home. He could have even maybe went back and got his table back. Maybe going back and sit in his booth and started doing life the way he saw it fit. But he didn't do that. Long after Jesus had ascended, Matthew was in the middle of what the gospel was doing. He would say, without a doubt, I think, that it was worth it to follow Jesus even though it didn't make any sense. And I might point out that here, he is still taking steps, trusting Jesus, just like that initial step away from his table. Following Jesus is about taking a trusting step after a trusting step after a trusting step, not having any idea what is going to come, but trusting that what he has for us is far better than what we have. John 10, 10 says that Jesus came that he may give us life and give it to us more abundantly. For us to really have a, a real life, we have to trustingly walk into what Jesus has for us because Jesus loves us so much more than we even love ourselves. It is true when it says that Jesus has a plan for your life. It is a, a good plan for sure, but it is a plan that is not going to be easy and you will probably not like it. It will cost you something and it will be uncomfortable, but I think just like Matthew would say, and as I would say, it's worth it. See, this trust that Matthew had led him into a life that I don't think he would have ever trade to go back to a table by the ocean collecting taxes for Rome. We, as my family, have kind of adopted a bit of a saying by a pastor named Jack Miller. This quote simply goes like this. It says, risk or rust for the rest of your life. Risk or rust for the rest of your life. When it comes to Jesus, it's always going to be a risky step, but otherwise, you're never going to be growing. You're going to get stuck. See, Jesus calls us to follow him because it's worth it, but it is always going to be a risk, and it's always probably going to cost us something. So what does this mean this morning, church, as, as we talk about this? If I could give advice to anyone in here, especially people younger than me, I work with a lot of college students, if you're a college student here, or some of that, the best advice I can give you this is simply this. Bet everything on Jesus and what he says, because he is who he says. He's not like what we think of in our world where people say one thing and then they act another way. No, no, no. He is good. He holds up his end of the deal. And you're not necessarily know what it is, but he knows what's best. And he's good. And we have to ask ourselves, is it worth risking it? And I, my answer is yes. You have to trust Jesus to follow him. 
The following starts with the steps. The church, I have three, three steps this morning. That maybe all of us in some way, shape, and form probably fall into one of these when it comes to our relationship with Jesus. Three things. And I might add this really quick, church, that, that fear and doubt oftentimes feel like things that need to vanish completely before we can take a step into following Jesus. But I want to say that that is not a disqualifier. It's not something that keeps you from being faithfully trusting Jesus if you're scared to death as you do it. I can attest to that in my own life. Just because you're afraid of something or you're doubting if it's going to work out, if we are willing to trust Jesus We can step into that. I know how hard taking this step can be. Hear me say that, because here's the point I want to make, is that there's always going to be something that's on your table, like Matthew had, that looks like it is so much better. There's always going to be something that's on your table that's predictable, that is alluring, that is maybe profitable, that makes it easy and comfortable. It seems like not a risk. That seems like it's worth it. Guys, there's always going to be something there. But Jesus calls us to follow him and leave behind what we've put so much hope in on our tables. I don't know what that is for you in this room. It's probably something different for every single one of us. Maybe for some of you, it's popularity. Maybe you really care what people think about you, and if you were to take Jesus seriously about what he's calling you to do, that means that you would have a bunch of people who would think you'd gone crazy. Maybe for some of you, it's materialism. You really like your stuff, and following Jesus means leaving everything behind and following him. It's not about stuff. Maybe for some of you in this room, it's, it's, it's a, a habit, a drinking problem, or something you're looking at online all the time that has gotten way out of hand, but it's comfortable, or a relationship that is not healthy or God-honoring, but you've just been in it because it's easy. Maybe it's a pride issue. Maybe it's a control thing on your table. I don't know what it is for you, but I assure you, it looks like it's a whole lot nicer than what Jesus is offering you. And Jesus is saying, hey, trust me and follow me. So this morning, church, whatever it is on your table, here are three things I would say. The first one is that some of you in this room, some of you in this room need to take a first step towards Jesus. I don't know who it is in here, but we live in the South and everyone knows about Jesus, at least some portion of it, whether that's accurate of who he is or not. Some of you have heard a lot about Jesus. You've maybe been to church or you, you uh, know a lot of the information, but you've not surrendered your life to follow him and make him king. You've not trusted Jesus, you just know a lot about Jesus. And like we were saying here, following Jesus is about trusting Jesus. And for some of you, the first step needs to be simply this, that you give your life to Jesus and not make it about yourself. The thing on your table may be the fact that you want it your way, and Jesus is saying, you can't have me and your way. You have to follow me. I heard someone say very well the other time that a lot of times our kingdoms and our hearts come in conflict with what God and his kingdom's doing. We want to be the center of the story, and we're not the center of the story. Jesus is. And some of us need to take a first step in trusting him to be the Savior who he is for us. Some of you guys have done that step. 
You're following Jesus. You're trusting in him to help you live your life and to, to save you from your sin and from everything that, that is in and, and to make you more like him. I mean, some of you guys need to take a next step that you've gotten through that process and you're just kind of froze up. And that next step could be a million different things. I don't know about you. Maybe it's that you need to pray more. Maybe when that person comes up and asks you, hey, will you pray for me? And you say yes, and you don't do it. Maybe you need to start doing it. Maybe you need to read your Bible as much as you present outwardly that you do, or start reading it if you don't at all. And I say these two things not to be harsh, because I am guilty of them as well. Maybe for some of you in this room, it's getting invested in a small group to grow closer to Jesus. Or maybe for some of you other ones who are in a small group or a Sunday school class, you need to step up and go teach another one so we can connect and grow more people. Maybe for some of you guys in this room, the next step is trusting God that your time that you give to come and serve here, even though it's an inconvenience, is worth it to take care of kids like mine that's probably screaming in the nursery right now. To deal with youth and all the chaos that's there. To go and, and meet college students. To help run all of this tech that takes care of. To teach. Some of us in this room need to trust Jesus and follow him into a next step. And the last one is this. is Some of us in this room need to take a step back. I don't know about you, but in my own life and story, I have taken steps and gone down paths that have thrown up major, and I mean major roadblocks between me and my relationship with God. I've chosen to do things selfishly and, and, and damaging to myself and everyone around me, and I just need to own up to that and turn around and start following Jesus. Scripture calls this repentance. I was teaching earlier this week on campus at the BCM, and I was, I was teaching out of Galatians, and Paul has this really um, great metaphor in Galatians about walking in the flesh versus walking in the spirit, walking in God's way and walking in our way. And too many of us in here have been walking in the flesh, walking in our own ways and not trusting God and walking in the spirit and trusting that what he has for us is greater than whatever's on our table that seems really, really hard to let go of. Maybe you need to step back and find some accountability. Guys, I'm going to say this. I'm 32 years old, so I'm not, I'm not that old. But I will say this. I do not like accountability, but I desperately, desperately need accountability. It becomes more abundantly clear every day that I need someone who, who holds me accountable, who can question what I'm doing and why I'm doing it, because otherwise I'm going to do very questionable things. And the truth is, for all of us believers, we need accountability. And maybe for you, that's where it's at. You need to step back and find some accountability in other believers. Church, I don't know where you are in these three things. I want to make, make a note really quick of this, is that wherever you're at, I want you guys to think about this. What would it be like if you just did that? I'm not saying you do. I don't know what that is on your table. What is if you take the next step, a first step? or maybe a step back and trust Jesus, what would that look like in your life, in the sphere of your influence, at work, with your family, with, with those people that you interact with every day? 
What would it look like in your own heart if you were to walk away and just trust Jesus, not knowing how any of it's going to work out, and just taking a step, trusting in faith that He is good and has better things than what we think are the best things? What would that look like in your family? We have a new thing this week, guys. I want to encourage you guys. We have these QR codes. They're all throughout the uh, pews. You can uh, open your phone, camera, click on it, scan it. It'll open up a little link. and It's a great way to connect with our church, but specifically I want to point out this morning because it's a great way to let us know exactly what this step is and if you decide to take it. Because this is why the church exists. This is why we're here. We're here to help each other grow in likeness towards Jesus, to start or grow a relationship with Jesus. So it's a great way this morning, if, if you're like, I need to take the first step. I'm going to trust Jesus to save me from myself because I can't do it on my own. Let us know so you don't have to walk by yourself. We are made to be in community, guys. We need each other. If you need this, this is a great way to serve somewhere, to take that next step, to connect with a, with a group to do that, to, to talk with someone like me or some of the other people in the church to help you walk through and figure out what it is to repent and work through some of the damage your sin's done. Church, let me just ask you this. The history has shown that over and over again, people have asked this question of Jesus, is it worth it to follow him? And over and over and over again, people have faithfully taken a step after a step after a step into the unknown of knowing what it was going to be like. And it was not easy at all. But they would have say over and over and over again that it is worth it worth it. Go find someone who's been faithfully following Jesus for years and ask them what they think about this question. I think what many would say would be something along the lines of this. What I would say myself is this. Following Jesus is a mysterious adventure. I didn't know what I would have to give up, and I had no clue what I would get in return. I didn't know what would be asked of me later or where God would call me. I just decided to take a step in trust. And it was not easy. But it was 100% worth it. What would your life look like, church, if you, like Matthew, asked this question of Jesus' call on your life, of following him, not just in one place, but with everything you are? How would it change things? Will it be hard, most likely? Will it cost you something? Yes. Is it worth it? No doubt. It is worth it. It is real life, not some fake, real unrealistic thing that Instagram or Facebook sells you. Real, true life, knowing who God is, walking with him, him making you new, saving you. It is worth it, church. So this morning, what step do you need to take away from your table. What's on your table that's holding you tight, keeping you from taking that step to trust the Lord? Pray with me, church. Father, I do not know what's on everyone's tables in this room. Father, I, I don't know what is that thing that, that just feels safe and comfortable that you keep asking them to, to follow you away from, and we keep living in that tension.
You give us so much grace, Lord. And Father, I ask that all of us, myself included, would be faithful to trust you and take a trusting step into the unknown, knowing that what you have for us, Lord, what you offer us is far greater than what we have put value in on our tables. Lord Jesus, be with us today. May we be lights in this world as we go out, pointing to people that they would look at our lives and be like, what is he all about? What is she all about? They trust something that seems like it's far bigger than anything I know. Lord Jesus, may we recognize who you are, sovereign king over all of us, savior who has saved us, who is good, who knows what's best for us, even when we do not, Lord, and help us be faithful to follow you for the sake of the gospel. I pray for those in this room who need to come to you and surrender their life to you, Lord. I pray for those who are far from you, who need to take another step towards you, those who need to repent and those who are being called to serve. It's in your name we pray, amen. Thank you again for joining our live stream this morning. As we wrap up our service inside, I'd like to let you know that you too can make a commitment to follow Jesus by going to fbcborough.church. There you can learn about our ministries, programs, and activities, or you can let us know that you've made that decision to follow Jesus. We look forward to walking alongside you on this journey, and thanks again for joining First Baptist Church this morning.